he'll pull you through? I do too. Praise God. Open your Bible tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Praise God for our visitors. Uh, You probably don't know. Why would you? Uh, But we've been in a series, an emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, Have been for a number of weeks in a series that I'm calling the Holy Spirit and His Gifts. And uh, so praise God. So we're continuing with that uh, tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, we're expecting, hungry for the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself in these services. Amen. Uh, we're not uh, forcing anything to happen, but we're open for something to happen. We're hungry for something to happen, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. So let's pray. Father, we come before You tonight as we break bread together, get into Your Word. Father, I thank You for granting unto us that are here tonight, those that are watching by live stream, revelation knowledge. Not just head knowledge, intellectual knowledge, but divine spiritual knowledge and understanding of truth and light concerning the moving and manifestations of the Spirit of God. Father, in addition to that, we are looking to you to unveil unto us individually what you've anointed us to do in the body. Father God, what gifts you have that you want to operate in our life that we might do our part to bless and upbuild the local church. Father, we just so thank you that you're going to help me tonight as the pastor to be a good pastor, to speak for you, not my opinion, but the words that you would have me to speak. And we receive it in a glad way, ready to respond to anything you want to do or say tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, uh, I'm going to begin to read some scripture, but again, I took the time uh, to create a handout for you tonight. Our ushers have that, so they're going to go ahead and begin to come around. And so if you would like one of those, uh, praise God, you're going to, you don't have to raise your hand. We're going to get one into your hand. And if you don't want it, then uh, just leave it in your seat. We'll throw it away for you. (laughs) But we, uh, I've I've endeavored in this series uh, to be as thorough, as clear and concise as I can be so that there could just be no confusion about what God's word really teaches about these wonderful gifts. Amen. And uh, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and begin reading a few verses of scripture. And uh, so you can just keep your ear attentive while you're uh, looking and expecting for your handout to come about. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Now concerning things that pertain to the Spirit. I've taught you that by now, right? The word gifts is in italics, meaning it was added by the translators for uh, some desired clarity. But really, uh, there's an unintended consequence in this verse when they did that. Because the word gifts shrinks down the scope, right, to spiritual gifts. And that's certainly included. But if you look up the word spiritual in the Greek, it literally means things that pertain to the Spirit. And uh, how how many of you know the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, kindness, all of that. Those are things that pertain to the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, the chapter we're in, spends a lot of time talking about unity in the body. Our place in the body. Everybody's important. So he spends a lot of time talking about the local church. That's something that pertains to the Spirit. Right? So uh, by understanding that, you realize uh, you don't unduly limit the scope of what the Spirit of God is having Paul deal with here. Skip down to verse number 4. Notice it says, now there are. Now there are. Not now there were. Now there are. You know, people stumble because so many theologians and 
uh, commentators and books that have been written just making statements that they cannot support with Scripture, like these things passed away. Uh, the vast majority of our denominations teach and say that the gifts of the Spirit passed away with the last apostle, meaning the 12 foundational apostles. Well, <laughs> that cannot be because the gifts of the Spirit did not originate with the apostles. There are nine gifts of the Spirit listed in this chapter, and seven out of the nine we see operating all over the Old Testament. They're not linked to the apostles. We see disciples, we see men, we see women who are not in the fivefold office in the book of Acts operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Uh, but right here, this one verse says, Now there are. Every time we read this, it updates itself. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences, notice again, there are, not there were, there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Such an important verse. And that's why I've been stopping and talking about it every single teaching, it seems like. Notice again it says that the manifestations of the Holy Spirit are for all of us. Amen. They're not just for apostles. It's for every man. Amen. It's not just for the pulpit. And the gifts of the Spirit are not just for corporate gatherings. Amen. The gifts of the Spirit are for our private lives. They are for our walking about lives. The gifts of the Spirit can and should operate as the Spirit wills at the gas station, at your place of business, in your home. Come on. I mean, you could have a word of knowledge while you're trying to buy a car. And God give you supernatural insight into that, whether that's a good deal or whether they're trying to swindle you. See, these gifts, again, they bring profit, not loss. They bring benefit, not harm. We've got to drill that in. Right? Because some people, Christians, just they've been put in this frame of mind from teachers and goofy preachers that, oh, I don't know about all that. You know, supernatural uh, Christianity ought to be everyday Christianity. I mean, what kind of God do we have anyway? <laughs> right? I mean, He either put the earth out there and nothing, created the stars, the planets, the solar systems, the galaxies, come on. And He's sustaining that and upholding that. Or He didn't. He's either a miracle worker or He's not. Amen. One of the greatest statements just thrills my heart every time I read it or think about it came from the lips or the pen of F.F. F. Bosworth, a, a wonderful preacher and teacher of evangelism. He was an evangelist and a wonderful healing ministry. He said, how dare anyone change God's I am to I was? Wow, what a statement. You remember when Moses approached the burning bush in the Old Testament and he had a conversation with God in that flame of fire, God is a consuming fire, right? The Bible says that he asked God in that moment, who, do people, who should I say when people ask me, 
Who do I say you are? What is your name? He said, you tell them that I am. That I am the I am and the I am sent you. Sent me unto you. Whoa. So who is going to be audacious enough to change God's I am to I was? I'm not that bold. God is still today the great I am. Aren't you glad? That if you need a miracle, you could get one? Come on, if you're given up by doctors, you're not given up? Come on. When all hope in the natural of your finances getting turned around, that doesn't mean you're without hope. Come on, we have a God, we have a Father, we have a provider, we have a supply. Hallelujah. Come on, He fed His prophets in a drought. with He sent ravens with filet mignon. Come on. There's nothing too hard for God. God can do anything if we will just believe Him. If we will just expand our thinking. If we will just get out of our head and into our heart. I just believe God is so yearning to break in on His people and show out and show forth and fight. But He's a faith God. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, God is leaning on, He's requiring uh, uh, knowledge to work His plan. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. But see, Satan thrives in ignorance. That's why he wants to keep us blind. He wants to keep us uh, in the dark, behind the veil, never knowing what God's going to do, never certain about His plan. He doesn't want us to realize that we actually have a covenant, that we can make a covenant demand on our rights and our privileges. He doesn't want us to have a revelation of our ability to use His name to bind Satan and His work. That's why He hates churches like this and preachers like me and believers like you. But He's just going to have to put up with it. (laughs) Right? Because we're here and we're only going to get stronger. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want the profit that the gifts of the Spirit would bring. And if you're smart, and I believe you are, you do too. You know, it's one of my preacher friends, Pastor Keith Rogan. Uh, you know, he, he was so, when he was a young believer, before he got connected with Dr. Jacobs, our spiritual father, uh, he, he just, he, he was so frustrated with the church. You know what I mean? I've been to this church, that church, this church, that church, went to this church, that church, and he finally told God in his recliner, I'm not going to church again. He said, Father, you got a problem out there. It's the wild, wild west out there, and I'm not going. (laughs) Yeah, until he met Dr. Jacobs. And Dr. Jacobs, you know, what makes Dr. Jacobs special is that he's preaching the word. But there's a comment I was going to. Pastor Keith Rogan said, I got under that teaching. I found him. My wife dragged me to church one more time. We found it. We found the right church, the right message. Mm -hmm. And he said this. He said, I knew it all the time. I knew it all the time. I knew God was that big. I just needed somebody to show it to me in the Word. Come on, isn't that right? There's got to be something on the inside of us as Christians. Come on, we know God's that big. We, we got all these doctrines trying to push us into this little bitty life where we have to accept failure, accept sickness, accept medicine, accept low-level living, low-level thinking. 
We, do, we have to accept measures of defeat. We have to live like the world and just accept the divorce rate like the world and the death rate like the world and poverty like the world. But we know on the inside of us that there's got to be more than that, right? More than that. And it's been there all the time. But thank God for a preacher who will just say, here it is, in the Word. God is as big as you ever thought He was. And bigger than that. More than that. Hallelujah. You see, Wigglesworth said, we're the ones that limit God. We put limits on God by the limits of our small thinking and our unbelief. See, we need to get, God's looking for a people who will turn Him loose. Turn Him loose. How do we turn God loose? By believing Him to do all He can do. Right? Stop, stop putting limits on Him like, oh, I know God could do this, but I don't know about that. See, you limited Him. Limited Him. Amen. Back there in the Old Testament, the armies of Israel were out in the desert. They were surrounded by armies. They'd run out of uh, water to feed their, you know, to nourish themselves and their cattle. And the prophet came and started talking to him about dig ditches. Get out there and dig ditches in the desert. Because tomorrow by noon, all these ditches will be filled with water. Now see, they had to have enough faith, come on, to pick up a shovel in the desert based on the prophet's word. And here they are out in the desert. Well, what did he say? He said, dig a ditch. Come on, sometimes do you have enough faith to dig a ditch? To dig a hole. Believe that your God's big enough to fill it up. Come on. He wasn't going to cause it to rain. He wasn't going to cause the earth to open up and the springs come out. He was going to put water in the ditches they dug. And he did. Come on, he did. You read it. He did. Hallelujah. I'll get to my message maybe. <laughs> Praise God. Like, where's this on the handout? It's not on the handout. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise God. The issue in life as a Christian is not what can God do. It's not even what will He do. It's what can you believe Over and over, Jesus said to people in the Gospels, according to your faith, sweetie, be it unto you. So you've got to get this revelation. It's, it's not the way religion's taught us. Religion tells us it will be as God says. But the Bible teaches it's not as God says, it's as you say. Oh, Pastor Chris, I don't know about that. Well, let's just go over there. Let's just go over to Mark chapter 11. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Praise God. I don't have the reference with me. Maybe the Holy Ghost, I know He's capable. He could give it to me. But there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, Concerning the work of my hands. Concerning the work of my hands. Command you me. That's in Isaiah. What a bold statement. Mark chapter 11. Notice he said in that verse in Isaiah, concerning the work of my hands, you command me. Well, that takes some faith, wouldn't it? It's an astonishingly bold statement. But this is a statement right in line with it, what Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty three, 23. For verily I say unto you, 
Now remember, Jesus is God. So let's put it this way. For God said unto us that whatsoever you shall say unto the mountain, if you will say, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, you believe that those things, not that God says, but that you say to the mountain will come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say. Come on. Do you get it? Come on, do you get it? Go to Proverbs chapter 18. Because it's not in one witness is a teaching established. It takes two or three. <clears throat> Proverbs 18. Now I want you to think about how you probably hear this verse and evaluate how you typically hear it or think about it in line with what it actually says. Most people think that the power of death and life, that death and life are in the power of, how would the world, how, does most, how do most people think about that? Death and life are in the power of God. That's how most people think. Is that what the Scripture says? Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, Death and... Can there be anything any more important in your life than death, living or dying? Living or dying? Who's that up to? Oh, it's not up to me. It's up to God. God didn't say that. I know it's a new thought. Amen. Death and life, chapter 18, verse 21, are in the power of the tongue. Whose tongue? Your tongue. Your tongue. Your tongue. So you make jokes about getting old and having dementia. You make jokes about, you know, I hope little Johnny, I hope when I get old you'll wipe my, the drool off my mouth. You better stop talking like that. <laughs> my mind just going. For long I won't even be able to remember your name, sweetie. You better stop it. You better watch it. You take your tongue and dig your own grave. Take your tongue and lose your own mind. It won't be God's fault. Then some goofy Christian go, wonder how come God allowed that to happen to them. No, they talk themselves right into it. Not in one day, but year after 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 year. And words have power. Come on. So it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, you're going to eat the fruit of what you say. If you're smart, and if you haven't been smart, that doesn't mean you're dumb, but you just maybe you just didn't know. But now, praise God, you can be smart. You can get up and say things like, I'm sharp. I'm quick, I'm good looking, I'm rich, I'm healthy, and I'm a major blessing. I win, I live on top, I'm coming up higher. Well, that sounds arrogant. It doesn't have to be arrogant. No, it's being smart. It's being biblically intelligent. Every word that comes out of your mouth, you ought to think about, you just dipped uh, a 
a paint uh, a paintbrush into paint and you just wrote something on your heart. Right? And your heart is going to produce the image you write on it. Amen. You know, some of us, we have so many fears, so many insecurities, so many inward hang-ups, and we talk about them all the time. I'm fat. I just can't lose this weight. Yeah, you can't lose this weight because you keep talking that way. Why don't you say, I'm disciplined. I set goals and I meet my goals. The Lord helps me. This weight's melting off of me. God's helping me reach my physical goals. Right? Just turn that thing around. Turn it into an asset instead of a liability. What you're saying. Amen. All right. Praise God. We better go back over here to 1 Corinthians. Hallelujah. That wasn't in my notes, but it's all free anyway. Praise God. But here we go back to this idea that God can do so much more than we've seen Him do. And part of God doing for His people is through the gifts of the Spirit. Through supernatural manifestations and demonstrations of His Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, so we've been teaching you line on line and precept on precept, gift by gift. And I don't have time to go back and rehearse the things that we've already covered. We've covered the utterance gifts already. We've already covered the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. That's two out of the three of the revelation gifts. Gifts that reveal something. Gifts that uh, God brings supernatural knowledge and insight to us about. Tonight with the uh, about amount of time we have left, we're going to touch on the third and final revelation gift. Gift of revelation. Called the discerning of spirits. Amen? Notice this uh, uh, gift is mentioned in verse number 10. Paul says, To another is given the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. Did you see that? So again, we're hounding on, rightly so, to help you, not hurt you, uh, about being accurate with the names that God gave these gifts. Right? He did not call this the gift of discernment. You hear that often. I have the gift of discernment. There is no such gift. I challenge you, show me that phrase in the Bible or anything close to it. You'll not find it in there. What you're referring to is the discerning of spirits. Now notice this, it's the discerning of spirits, not the discerning of things. It's not the discerning of situations. It's not the discerning of places. It's the discerning of spirits. So this is a gift that brings supernatural revelation to us, as God wills, about spirits. What do you mean spirits? Ghosts? No. No. God is a spirit. That's John chapter 4. God is a spirit. Angels are spirits. Uh, Lucifer, Satan, is a fallen angel, a spirit. A third of the angelic host fell with him. You remember that? They are spirits. Demons are spirits. Evil spirits are spirits. Right? You are a spirit. God said, let us make man in our image, in our, after our likeness. 
God is a spirit. We're made in His likeness and image. We are a spirit. You, that thing that you brought with you tonight, this thing, is not the real you. Thank God. Amen. We thank God for our bodies. Amen. But this is not the real me. This is just a machine. It's a divine machine. It's a supernaturally created machine. It's a miracle. This thing. But if I had a zipper and I could just pull it down, the real me, come on, the real me, would just step right out. And it really, my body looks like my spirit, not the other way around. Amen. And if the Lord tarries His coming, this body will decay and die. But I'm just going to step out and I'm going to be me. I'll have my soul. I'll have all my memories, all my faculties. All my memories. Right? My knowledge of people. I just won't be here. It takes an earth suit to be here. You lose your earth suit, how many of you know? You leave. You can't stay. It's not like you're just floating around like Casper out there. To be absent from the body is to be present, come on, with the Lord. So this is a gift that is very narrow in scope. It's not broad in scope. Now the word of knowledge, which is supernatural insight into the mind of God about anything present or past. See, that's very broad. The word of wisdom, that's supernatural insight concerning the future about the mind, plan, purpose of God. About anything. See, it's very broad. No, but I have discerning of spirits because, you know, I, I was at the grocery store and I got up next to someone and I just knew they were not right. That's not discerning of spirits. I'm going to teach you that from the Bible. You might have thought that, but that's not right. You might have known something supernatural about another person because you have the Holy Spirit in you, right? Amen. I'm going to have to condense some things because of time and how God's led me to say some other things. But here's the difference. A lot of times what people call the gift of discernment is really the inward witness and or the word of knowledge in operation. So, you know, like tonight, I shook Brother Chris's hand and God made me to know something supernatural about him. No, I'm just kidding. I was hoping to get to you there. You weren't even moved or faced. Oh my God, what do you find? No. Now, I've had stuff like that happen. But you know, you know what I'm talking about, this scenario. You, you get around someone and the Holy Spirit really does make you to know something about them, what's going on with them, right. what kind of spirit they have. Are they, have you ever gotten around someone and you wouldn't know anything from the natural, but you just knew they're icky, icky, something's not right about them. I need to go take a shower. What is that? Well, if it's not anything real specific, it's just general. It's the witness of the Spirit just kind of alerting you to, it's like, you know, danger, danger, stay away from them. Don't go on that date. Don't make them as a friend. Don't let them speak into your life. They're icky. Right? People will call that kind of insight the gift of discernment. And I'm not criticizing you, it's just because of a lack of teaching, you're misplacing your language. All of us ought to be walking in that kind of discernment. All of us. 
But not all of us will operate in the gift of discerning of spirits. So let me give you some definition very quickly. Uh, we'll just have to... Well, some of these quotes are, defin, are defining. So uh, Brother Hagen said this gift is supernatural insight into the realm of spirits. Okay? Amen. Uh, then Lester Summerall said the discerning of spirits is the divine ability to see the presence and the activity of a spirit that motivates a human being, whether good or bad. Uh, Reverend Howard Carter said the discerning of spirits is a supernatural revelation of the unseen world. We cannot with our natural eye see a spirit, right? You see, because I have this outward shell without the gift of discerning of spirits, you can't see me. The real me is looking out at you through these things I call eyes, right? We call eyes. Amen. But see, God could, if He wanted to, enable you to see the human spirit or an evil spirit or a good spirit or God. Hello. Right? So in this gift, Howard Carter says, it's God giving us uh, the ability to look beyond the veil and see into the realm of spirits. It does not imply the discerning of wicked spirits only, nor does it state that it's good spirits only. It's discerning of spirits, good or bad. Amen? Are you with me? Praise God. So, let me give you my definition. Uh, The discerning of spirits is the supernatural ability to see into the realm of spirits. Now, you'll notice uh, when you you get around teaching, and I endorse these people like I'm giving you, I wouldn't have endorsed them. In fact, Jesus Christ, Brother Hagin in a vision, he was seeing Jesus in an open vision. Jesus was talking to him, and he said, Jesus, could I ask you a question? He said, yes, sir, go ahead. And he said, I'm studying on the gifts of the Spirit. I'm trying to get definition for these gifts. Is there a book? Is there someone on the earth that I could look to for help to understand the definition of gifts of the Spirit. And this is what Jesus said. He said, go find a man named Howard Carter. Get his book, Questions and Answers on Spiritual Gifts. He's got the most accurate definitions of anyone on the planet. That's Jesus endorsing Howard Carter's book, Questions and Answers on Spiritual Gifts. Hallelujah. That's pretty good endorsement. I haven't been able to talk Jesus yet into endorsing, you know, get writing a foreword for one of my books. I'm working on it. Wow. Amen. Okay, praise God. Let me give you, let's look on your handout because we can, we can get faster, get more done. Just turn the page and there's text on the back. All right. Now while you're finding Roman numeral number two, let me go forward and say some things. The discerning of spirits is not uh, mind reading. It's not the gift of fault-finding. You know, I just got around them and I realized they've got all kinds of issues. It's not the gift of criticism. You know, we're Christians. We're supposed to walk in love. You know, I think some people, that, that's their whole dream. They want to get in there and scan everybody spiritually. And if they find anything, they want to go tell somebody about it. That's gossip. That's, that's devilish. The Bible says that love covers 
a multitude of sins. Not publishes. God's not out to tell off on people. If God ever reveals anybody's dirty laundry, it is because they're not listening. And they've turned down time after time after time to get that thing corrected in a less public way. If God tells off on someone in a public manner, it is to rescue them from disaster. We take great pains around here to cover people's faults. Would you do the same for me when you find one? I appreciate that. All right, so uh, again, uh, the gift is not the gift of suspicion. You know, you're walking around, you're, you're the Sherlock Holmes of the local church. It's not what this gift is, okay? Well, let's look at a couple of examples real quick. Uh, one of my favorites and the most clear and stark is found in Isaiah 6, verse 1 and 2. Many of you have heard this uh, passage of Scripture before. But in, uh, the, the verse is right there in your handout. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, the prophet Isaiah says, I, now notice this, you might want to circle, I saw. See, this is what you have to have to claim that this gift operated. You have to see something. And if you didn't see something, it was not the discerning of spirits that operated. No, but pastor, I got around him and I knew it. I knew it. I knew they had a spirit of Jezebel. You may, sweetie. You might. But if you knew it without seeing it, it would be the word of knowledge in operation, not the discerning of spirits. You have to see it. Amen. Look at what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. What is a seraphim? Those are those angelic beings that are around the throne. And that their wings, partly they oversee, uh, well that may be a cherubim, but these around the throne, amen, it describes them there, six wings, so forth and so on, Right? It's a class of angel. Angels are spirits. Did Isaiah see it? He said, I saw it. I saw him, the Lord, a spirit, and I saw these angels. That's the discerning of spirits in operation. Are you with me on that? Let's look at another example. This is probably my favorite, all right? And it's in 2 Kings, and uh, you ought to go read the whole passage. It's very interesting. But Elisha... Uh, the prophet had words of knowledge. And when we taught on the word of knowledge, I, I used this as an account. Remember, he was telling off on the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria was making battle plans. He was going to get Israel. But God was making the prophet know what they were planning. And he told his counterparts, don't go here, don't go there. And that's how God was giving them victory. Well, when the king of Syria found out that the prophet was telling off on him, he sent his army to find him to destroy him, Elisha. And now Elisha's in this mountain with his you know, counterpart, his, his helper Gehazi, and they're surrounded by an innumerable army, and they're out to get one guy, Elisha, and here I am, Gehazi, I'm going to go down with my man here. Right? Now, Elisha, if you read the account, he's surrounded by enemies... He has no weapons and he is untroubled. Right. He is not concerned. You want to know why? He knows something. That's right. He knows that in this moment, 
I am not defenseless, neither am I alone. Now, we don't know from the passage, did Elisha see? Did he see the angels that were there that God sent to defend him? Or did he just know it as a prophet? We don't know. But I love this account. Gehazi, though, is filling his diaper. I mean, he is having a panic attack. You can imagine. He does not have the revelation that Elisha does. He thinks, I have come to meet my end. This is the day, this is our Alamo moment. We're going down. You know, and Elisha, I'm sure, is going simmer down, simmer down, simmer down. But he's not simmering down. Now look at the passage I gave you, verse 16 and 17. Uh, The prophet said, and he answered, fear not. For they that be with us are more than be with them. Now that's a statement of faith. They can look around and man, there's archers and there's cavalry and there's spearmen and they're swordsmen, and they're surrounded, and we got nobody. We got no army. We got no king. We got no defense. Listen, friend, when the enemy surrounds you, when you look outgunned and outnumbered, listen, don't ever forget, you're never alone. You're never alone. You're never by yourself. So he's trying to get Gehazi to calm down. And notice verse 17. I love this. It says, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee. Now notice this. Open his eyes. Gehazi's not a blind man. What's he mean open his eyes? Open his spiritual eyes. You understand this, right? He's saying, let him see. Give him that divine ability to see. Amen. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. This is how you know it's what gift? It's discerning of spirits. It's seeing supernaturally into. Come on, if we only had this insight. Come on. Wouldn't that be so? Wow. But we just got to take it by faith. That all around us, this three-dimensional world of what we can see, it's not the only thing here. There's that spirit realm. It's not far away. It's just unseen. But it's very real. And it says he saw. What did he see? And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. What did he see? He saw the angelic host. The angelic army that was there to defend the prophet of God from this natural army. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Will you say, well, I'm sure I'm just little on me. I don't don't have a a legion of armies to protect me, you know, of angels. Listen, in the Bible, all you need is one. There's an angel in the Bible, just one of them. That in one night, this one angel killed 189, I think, thousand people. Give or take just a few thousand. That's one bad Mama Joe duty, to quote my spiritual father. One angel killed in one night 180-something thousand trained, earthly, tangible military soldiers. Woo! Come on, somebody. The Bible says you've got a guardian angel that was assigned to your life since birth. 
Hallelujah. I'm keeping my eye on the time. You know, I'll never forget a few years ago during the week coming out of this door from my office and I got right, right around to where that seam was and I stopped just by myself. And I, and I looked around because I was, I was aware instantly of a being on my left and a being on my right. And I fully expected to turn around and see somebody who's in this, because I've had that happen before. I've come into this sanctuary before and there's a, a, a lady up here wandering around. She wandered in off the street. We had to gently talk her out of the building. It's weird. Anyway, but I looked back and I didn't see anybody. And I stopped to ponder that and the word of the Lord came to me. I don't mean I hear anything, but down in here, he said, I'm adding two additional angels to your ministry to protect you. They've been, they've been sent to protect you in this third phase of your pastoral ministry. I said, well, fine. I accept it. And I release them by faith as often as I think about it. And they're with me tonight. See, you'd be good not to mess with me. Because they're here. They're with me everywhere I go. But listen, you're not without angelic help. You got to stay around and I'll teach you that. Get doctor's book out there on the table about angels and learn about them. But do you see here in this gift that he saw it? He saw it. Praise God. All right, let's look at another example. Uh, You'll have to turn the page to item C there. You remember John on the island of Patmos. The Bible says that John got in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Remember that? He got in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And he heard a voice like many waters behind him. And he recognized that voice as Jesus. And the Bible says in Revelation 1 that he turned to see the voice that spoke unto him and he saw, it says he saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the golden lampstands, he saw the Lord and he described him. Described his hair, described what he was wearing, described his glorious features he saw the Lord in his resurrected state and he heard him and he saw him and he saw Jesus's angel and the angel talked to him and the whole book of Revelation is is, is really a compilation of all the revelation gifts flowing together to get us that book called Revelation but the key is he saw it are you with me? Amen. Amen. Uh, now, I, I, y'all are okay, right? I'm not going too much longer here. Uh, I understand some things about myself, okay? And I just want to say this because I'm probably going to put this series on CD. Uh, I understand that I, just in my personality, I have strong convictions <laughs> about things. And uh, the things I know from the Bible are right. I know they're right, bless God. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be caught being overly restrictive with definition on the gifts. But uh, I've, I've studied this out pretty thoroughly. And I can't find 
the discerning of spirits really in operation without seeing something. People have wanted to challenge me in a loving way, in a kind way, and say, uh, you know, oftentimes in my maturing in the ministry class, I say, now you go out and you get in your Bible and you find me biblical examples in the Old and New Testament of these gifts in operation. Right? And uh, sometimes they'll give me things that I'll say, no, 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 that's not this gift, that's that gift. And listen, if you disagree with me on some caveats, it's fine. Don't leave the church over it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But some people, they, they get around, they think, hmm, that's discernment. Hmm, that's the gift. Hmm, and it's not. It might be something supernatural. And so here, uh, down in E, uh, I just skip down. Actually, it's your D. I've modified the notes already since I printed them. Um, you'll see other, uh, some examples of what many have thought. Did you see that? To be discerning of spirits, but it's really something else. Let me give you an example real quick. Here in Acts, Paul deals with a sorcerer. And in a lot of the books I read, uh, the, the author gives this example as discerning of spirits in operation. And you just make up your own mind, but I'm saying it's not. Let's read it. It says, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, a political leader, Sergius Paulus. He was a prudent man, talking about the deputy, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. So here you have a deputy, a political figure, and he's interested in Christianity, wants to know the word of God, and he inquires of Paul and Barnabas about it. But he's got this sorcerer with him, right? Now, uh, notice verse 8 says, But Elamus, the sorcerer, now notice this, for so his name is by interpretation. You know what this tells me? He's known as a sorcerer. It's not, un it's not unknown in that community, in that circle of people. This guy's a sorcerer. You know, it's like having a, a, a business, you know, I have a business card that says my name, but it says Pastor Chris Cody. Right? Well, I'm a lamest the sorcerer. You don't need special discernment to know that this guy's not right. If you're a Christian, you know what I mean? Now notice it says, but Elamus the sorcerer withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So don't you think this, this with, withstanding, this opposition, is observable? You know when you're trying to witness to somebody and someone else is getting their ear, telling them the exact opposite of what you're... You can observe that. You know that guy, that girl is opposing the gospel. They're trying to deceive them, trying to talk it out of them. You may have family trying to talk you out. Come on, to the Word of God. Well, that's observable. You don't need discernment. You, if you have wisdom from the Word of God to know you're opposing what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to lead this guy to the Lord. Right? Then it says, Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Now that phrase is, is interesting to me. Set his eyes on him. But it says, and he said, oh full, of, uh, all, oh, full of all subtlety and mischief, you child of the devil, you enemy of, right, of all righteousness, will you not cease to pervert 
the right ways of the Lord. And people point to that and say, see, he knew supernaturally by the discerning of spirits that this guy's not right. My argument is you can know he's not right by him telling you, hi, I'm a lamest, a sorcerer. And by observing his behavior. There's nothing in this passage that said Paul saw anything. And without that evidence, I'm not going to classify this as discerning of spirits. Now it's interesting, Paul says, from this moment the hand of the Lord will be on you and you shall be blind for a season. And the, 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 someone led the guy away blind. Now, that's not God making a man sick. That's a miracle. A divine intervention of God's power to cause a man not to be able to see. That's a divine judgment on that guy. And it was just temporary. See, that's the working of miracles. But not discerning of spirits. You would just readily know by paying attention that this guy's not right. You know, if you came up to me and said, hi, my name's Cindy and I'm a witch. I don't have to go shalamanda, you know, to try to figure out what kind of spirits you got. You told me. Is that right? And then if you try to oppose my gospel work in my city, I don't need the discerning of spirits to know you're full of the devil. Every unsaved person is a child of the devil. The Bible says so. So you don't have to look at an unbeliever and go, hmm, yeah, I perceive you're full of the devil. You're very mischievous. No, we can all tell. All right. Here's another popular one in Acts 16. This is where Paul deals with a young girl that had a spirit of divination. She was a, uh, well, she was one of these girls that would tell you your future by a familiar spirit. Not because of anything godly, but she was full of the devil. And she was a slave girl, and people would pay their master for her to operate in this evil spirit and tell them their future. Okay? Let's read a few verses here. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed... Now notice, this girl had a reputation for this. This was her, you could like Mother Teresa or whatever the lady is over in Lono. And her days are numbered over there. Anyway. Uh, well, notice it says the same, this girl full of the devil followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. And that's interesting, isn't it? Is what she said correct? It is. They were men of God. And they were showing unto them the way of salvation. But notice what happens next. It says in verse 18, And this did she do many days. Wasn't just, she just followed them around and said this kind of thing. Right? But Paul, notice this phrase, being grieved. Did it say Paul seeing? Being, his eyes opened up and I, oh, I see a spirit of divination on you. No, no, no. What did it say? He was grieved. 
Now listen, you've probably had this happen to you before, right? You can't put your finger on it. But this little gal is starting to be interested in your little Johnny and mm, 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 mm. you're grieved. You didn't see anything, but your, your insides are going, mm, mm, mm. right? And so this is what's going on with Paul. The more she says it, the more he's grieved. Until finally he turns and notice he didn't deal with the girl. He dealt with the spirit. And he said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now again, people want to say, see, this is the discerning of spirits. This is what it does. No, he knew something about this girl supernaturally. But the key is, how did he know it? Did he know because he saw? Or did he know by an inward working of the Holy Spirit? I think the evidence we have here is is that he knew something, right, about the girl that was supernatural by an inward working of the Spirit. And thank God for it. But we want to call it what it is. It's either an inward, just being led by the Holy Ghost, or the gift of the Word of Knowledge. But it's not discerning of spirits because they didn't see anything. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's, let's close. Um, you could turn the page, some other statements. We'll just, we'll just close here. Um, understand, so I've, I've tried to drill into you, the discerning of spirits is seeing. You could see heaven, right? If you had a vision and you saw heaven, that's the discerning of spirits. If you saw Jesus, that's the discerning of spirits. If you see the Holy Ghost, if you see an angel, right? If you were to see your angel, people have come into our services and seen angels. Kids have seen them. That's the discerning of spirits. They say, Pastor, I saw him. What do he look like? Tell me all about it. See, he saw them. Thinking about young Hugh. Operates in that gift some. I've never operated in that gift that I know of. But here's Hugh. Philpot operating in that gift. Doesn't have anything to do about I have discernment because I'm a mature believer. You understand? But here's what I want to kind of end with. With this gift, when it manifests, you not only are supernaturally made aware, you're made able to see, but when the gift operates, you are also able to rightly judge what you are seeing. And that's so important. Because you could see something and not think right about it, not know right about it, not discern it right. The word discern means to discriminate. Right? It means to make a judgment, to have proper understanding of a thing. So when this gift is in operation, you're going to see something but you're not going to have to come to me and go, and this happens to me all the time, all the time, and I'm not criticizing, but people come say, I saw this. I was praying and I saw this. What's it mean? I don't care. Drop it. If you saw it, but you don't know what it means, lose it. Forget it. I'm not going to try to figure it out for you. Because when it's really God, with the happening comes the meaning. You will know. 
Some, some, uh, one of the last ones I got, bless her heart, said I was in a prayer meeting and I looked out my window in a prayer cabin and I saw four deer lined up military style like they were saluting me almost. And they stared at me. I don't laugh. I'm telling you, I have to deal with this kind of thing. And uh, we, we, I got another prayer person. We walked outside of the front of the cabin and those deer, just those eyes, those five deer, and they just saw all this in military style salute. It was the weirdest thing I've ever saw. Could you tell me what it means? Would you ask your spiritual father what it means? And I said, no. No. Well, they left the church. See, that's goofy. You understand what I mean? I saw five deer stand up in a row. What does it mean? What's the prophetic meaning? I don't know. I don't care. I'm busy. I'm not going to fast three days to try to figure out your weirdness. Get out of that camp you're in that encourages that kind of flakiness. Plant yourself in my church and take some biblical instruction and correction and you might be spiritual one day. I'm not that bold with them in front, but I'm saying it out loud. You know, now. You know, most of the time when you're in front of me, I'm just kind of smiling there sweet, but inside me I'm going, oh my God, I got another one. Goofy weird. See, that kind of thing turns people off. I don't want to be associated with that kind of extremism and weirdness. If you have a really spiritual dream, a spiritual dream, and people do, you'll know what it means. God's not the author of confusion. You'll know what it means. If you've got to ask five prophets and three preachers, it's not from God. Just lose it. Just forget it. Flush it. Listen, it's important because these things are going to come more and more. We're going to have more and more of the real thing. But you've got to watch out for the counterfeit. With the manifestation of the discerning of spirits comes the supernatural ability to discern it, to know it. I'll give you a last illustration and then we'll pray and, 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 and be dismissed. But uh, Dr. Dufresne t- uh, told us a story. And, and as a prophet, he saw things all the time. He had the discerning of spirits operating in his life and ministry all the time. It was kind of an adventure to be around him. I was sitting around a dinner table one night after a service right across from him. And all of a sudden, we're just talking, talking about spiritual things. And all of a sudden, he's transfixed. And his eyes go glassy like a dead person, like you're not there anymore. And he's just like that. And everyone's at the table going, this is different. And then all of a sudden, he's back. He blinks his eyes, and he sees us like those five deer. <laughs> looking at him. And listen, when you're, when you're really a spiritual person, you're, you're humble about these things. Not a lot of fanfare. He said, oh, it's all, I'm sorry, guys. I, it's just part of that prophet's ministry that I operate in. I had to go to Russia and deal with something. Woo! Praise God. But see, I'm telling you, praise God. He didn't, he didn't come back and say, what does that mean? He knew what it meant. He knew what he was doing. He knew what God was doing through him. You with me? But anyway, he was there. I can't remember if it was his 
home home or a hotel, but he was in his private room, and all of a sudden, an, he sees an angel there with him in bright, shining, white light. Now, this is not a first-time occurrence with him. Uh, praise God, just something that God did with him at times. And he said to the angel, uh, what are you here for? Right? You know, angels don't come play cards with you. They don't come to socialize. If one really shows up, they've got a mission. The word angel means angelos, it's messenger. Right? Okay, anyway. So he says, why have you come? What are you here for? And the angel said to him, I have come to take you to heaven. Meaning, your life on earth is finished. I'm here to escort you to heaven. Now, I love his response. He said, no you're not. You're of the devil. Get out of here. And, just, and the being just vanished and took off. You see, this is the discerning of spirits in operation. He saw an angelic being who was trying to play himself off as from God to try to get Dr. Dufresne off the earth. He looked like a godly being. Looked like other angels that were sent from God. But see, when the gift operated, notice, he had the power of insight to know you're not from God. You did not come from God. You're of the devil. I bind you, get out of here in Jesus' name. And he went. Hallelujah. Now, is there scriptural support for that? I gave it to you right there in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. It says, and no marvel. Don't marvel at things like this. Why? For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. You know that dark creature that you've had depicted with the horn and tail and fire and all of that? He can appear as an angel of light to try to deceive. He's a deceiver. But see, when that gift's in operation, you won't be deceived. You're going to rightly know. You're going to rightly discern. Amen. Praise God. Now, I have not been one at this point in my life. God has not seen fit. This has not been one of the gifts that I've ever been used in. But I'm open. How about you? I'm open. I'd love to see my angel, but I'm not praying for that kind of thing and neither should you. Don't do that. Don't go home and pray to have a vision because I got you stirred up tonight. None of these men in the Bible prayed for these kind of things. They just happen. Right? Praise God. But I tell you, some people have seen. Peter saw Jesus transfigured in front of him. All his deity starts showing up, shining out of his being. And then all of a sudden he sees Moses and Elisha there. See, they're spirits. And he, they saw them. That's discerning of spirits. Praise God. Listen, we just need to be hungry for what God wants to do. And that, for Him to have His way in our midst. Amen. Did you learn anything? We're learning, praise God. And listen, I've had wrong concepts about the gifts of the Spirit before, and I'm not saying I know everything there is to know about them.
Praise God, but I'm learning. Amen. Let's stand up tonight. Praise God.